From iCare Partners, this is the Doc to Doc podcast, clinical discussions with our team of world-class eye care professionals across the country. Through connectedness and continuing education, we help patients see their absolute best for life. Your hosts are Dr. Albert Chung, a cornea and cataract specialist at Virginia Eye Consultants, and Dr. Ian McWhirter, an optometrist at Bennett and Bloom. Hi, everyone. Unfortunately, we had some audio quality issues while recording this session. So thank you for your patience and bearing with the technical difficulties. So welcome to the Dr. Doc Podcast. I'm Albert Chung and I'm here with Ian McWhorter and we're, we've got two great guests and a great topic tonight. I have uh, Steve Scoper, who's a cataract surgeon, and Walt Whitley, who's an optometrist, my colleagues at Virginia Eye Consultants, and we'll be talking about telehealth visits for the one-day post-op. This is something that you know, I've been uh, privy to for a few years. Um, but I know a lot of practices around the, the country really don't do, so we're trying to give a little more information and some details if, if people are interested so, so they can learn more about it. So um, for the two of you, uh, why don't you tell us how you managed um, your one-day post-house previously and when and why you switched to the telehealth uh, one-day post-house visit. I'll, I'll get started, Albert, and thank you for the introduction. And I uh, really appreciate the uh, opportunity to, to speak on this doc to doc and one thing I'm very excited about is that everybody listening to this podcast are partners. We're all ECP partners. You know, we're no competitive practices, and we can all learn from each other. And so I learned so much from other doctors and other practices, and uh, I appreciate this opportunity to show other ECP surgeons and optometrists a few things that Walt and I have learned over the, the years. And really, this all changed with the pandemic. Everything changed with the pandemic. I think everyone knows. Um, uh, we're big proponents of uh, template optimization and that a doctor should only do what only the doctor can do. So I'm a surgeon. I'm in the operating room. I'll do the informed consent, see the patients, but I never do any post-op, routine post-operative care. That's our great team of uh, of, of, of optometry partners that are in our practice. So my routine for years has been uh, for the optometrist, Dr. Whitley, or somebody on his team to do the one day, one week, maybe one month. We do our surgeries about two weeks apart or, or, or so. So, and then I only see the post-op, I've only seen the post-operative patient if, if uh, there's any kind of problem at all. So we've got a really good working relationship with the optometrist. Yeah, and so, I mean, it was always traditional post-op, just like uh, Steve mentioned, but looking at template optimization, this is when COVID happened. And so this is how we got to telehealth, is we had to figure out how are we going to first take care of our patients, but also we had to keep in mind social distancing. And so if Steve was doing 30, 35 uh, cataract surgeries a day, we had to find a way to maintain our clinic efficiency in a social distancing model but making sure we're getting those patients to have surgery but also checking on them afterwards and so uh, just in a nutshell our telehealth post-ops is uh, we, we have an optometrist call that patient at the one day and just asking them questions on you know how's their vision how the surgery go reviewing the drops and then afterwards uh, we say hey if you have any issues any problems don't hesitate to call us we have a very low threshold at that one day telehealth visit uh, call and just, you know, if they have any issues, we will send that patient into the office to be seen. But after that telehealth, 
We see that patient one week within office. We want to make sure we're checking the refraction. That way we can utilize that for our uh, eye well calculations on, on the second eye. And then we also see that patient four to six weeks afterwards. And so that's a Sunstar telehealth trying to optimize the template considering COVID and social distancing. And that's where we started. And I mean, we've been saying 10,000 surgeries. We've done this on for what the last uh, year and a half, two years, but we've got to be more 15, almost 20,000 patients that we've done this on, Steve. Yeah, I think we're getting close to 20,000 one day telehealth visits uh, right now. And we initially thought we were just going to do it for COVID and it's been so successful we've kept it up because it really literally opens up uh i guess our practice does eight to ten thousand cataract surgeries a, a year so it literally opens up eight thousand visits a year in our practice and so then we get to decide how we use that extra uh, time so it's much more uh, efficient it's been, it's been fantastic. I mean, th I'm so glad you guys agreed to come on to this, Dr. Doc, and talked about this because, I mean, this honestly is something that literally affects every ophthalmology practice, you know, across the ECP platform. And, you know, from my understanding, I think Virginia Eye is maybe the only people in the network, you know, kind of taking on this model and, and doing these telehealth visits for the one-day post-ops. And, and I really think it could help improve efficiency, as you guys said, across practices. You know, obviously, there's such a huge demand for um, uh, uh, eye care and, and from a public health standpoint that you're exactly right. How do you better utilize, better utilize those resources? Now, are you guys using this for any um, surgery besides cataract surgery or just for cataract surgery or, or, or how do you guys uh, handle that? So we are just doing it for routine cataract surgery right now. Uh, we've talked about other areas, but uh, it's important, the, the main thing is that we want to have safety for our patients. And that was Walton, our main concern from the very beginning. We kind of felt forced during COVID to keep patients out of the clinic. But we said, if we do this, we've got to be very safe. And so I make a decision as a surgeon preoperatively when I'm working up the patient, if they're gonna have a telehealth visit or come in in person, I tell describe that, for instance, I've got an end-stage glaucoma patient on three different drops in a 0.9 cup. They're coming in the next day, mm -hmm. okay? So anybody I'm concerned about, a monocular patient with a white cataract who is gonna be a difficult surgery, they're gonna come in. The second time I make a decision is going to be in the operating room. Let's say a patient's scheduled for a one-day telehealth visit and they've got uh, they've got IFIS and I have to put a malugan ring and it's a little more of a difficult case and they're going to have a lot of inflammation. I tell the circulator in the room, change this patient to a in-person because they're going to have a lot of inflammation maybe after the malugan ring. Or if I have problems or if there's a complication, I make that change right there. And then I tell the patient on the table, you know, you're going to see me in person tomorrow or we'll call you tomorrow and check in with you. Mm -hmm. So you make that game time decision if you think something needs to be addressed. It's not just automatically set up, you know, kind of like co-management, so to speak. You know, if, if something happens during a surgery, you're going to change their co-management. And it sounds like you change their telehealth visit, too, if, if they need to be seen. That's it. That's my responsibility as the patient's surgeon. I think that's a great point. And you can make some decisions when you're setting up the surgery, but a lot of time, you know, anything that's not routine, I think it's safer to see the person in patient or in person. Um, 
So speaking of safety, did you guys do a pilot study to know if you're not going to check them that next day, if they're, how to know if their pressure is going to spike? Um, what are some, do you, I think some of our listeners might be uh, worried about also checking for if there's a, you know, a retained lens fragment, um, uh, toxic anterior segment syndrome, and maybe a wound leaks. Yeah, that's a great question, Albert. And we did do a study and uh, I asked Steve so kindly to pilot it for us. And so this was right when we were able to start doing surgeries again uh, through COVID. And so through July of 2020 and, and uh, uh, actually May of 2020 and two months after, I said, hey, can we just take your, your, your routine cataract patients? What we wanna do is we wanna put them on a protocol. And, and to be clear, our drop regimen, we changed this uh, several years prior where we use uh, combination drops. And so we have, uh, we have uh, moxifloxacin, we have bromfenac and predphosphate. It's three times a day for two weeks. After that, then they're gonna be on predphosphate and bromfenac three times a day for an extra three weeks. And so that was our simplified drop regimen. But one of the things that we're looking for is IOP spikes. And so, uh, because that's one of the biggest things that we're checking at that one day post-op you know, wound leak, you all are checking the, the, checking the wounds after surgery. At the, if there's a retained lens, we'll, we'll, we'll see that at the one week. But the biggest thing, you know, that we've been looking at is making sure that the pressures are under control. And so what we did is we added a combination drop. And so we used uh, uh, dorzolamide uh, and bromonidine. So that's twice a day for a week for every patient, as well as we do uh, acetazolamide right after the procedure. Because in that way, we felt that we were going to able to address any IOP spikes. So in those two months, uh, Steve, Steve did surgery in about 496 patients. And what we found is out of those patients, there was five out of the uh, 496 that ended up having an IOP spike. And so, uh, and, and so we, just, we just took a look at that and we said, hey, you know, we're confident in these numbers. And so we just went forward with it afterwards on our second pilot project, which you helped us with there, uh, Albert where essentially we took about 25 of your patients, we use our pre-operative, pre-COVID drop protocol, and this was without any of the glaucoma medications, and then afterwards, we, uh, we, we, we compared it to our new protocol, and what we found was that, you, that there was actually three patients out of 25 that had pressures over 30 on the pre-COVID protocol, and only one in our post-COVID protocol that had those glaucoma medications. And so after that, we shared it with the rest of our cataract surgeons, and we decided, hey, we're gonna move forward with this for routine cataract surgery. And so it, it sounds like that, you know, you guys obviously you know, did a lot of studying on this to make sure it was safe ahead of time. What would you guys say is, you know, out of all the patients you're doing, what percentage of your patients are, are doing these telehealth visits? Are you changing a lot of them, converting a lot of them to in-person, or what would you say your percentages are? I think it's over 95%, Walt. Would you agree with that? It's the, it's the majority of uh, the patients. And let me tell you, we, we surveyed these patients, and they absolutely love not having to come in. They, they just, they love it. It's very convenient. Um, and, and part of, uh, part of the, the deal is we have someone who's very good talking to them on the telephone the next morning. And, 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 and Walt has a protocol, a list of questions to ask the patients. And we give every patient the opportunity to come in if they just want to, if they're a little nervous or whatever. 
And we offer that. We offer that to them to give them some comfort. And, and in this study, Walt, how many patients ended up coming in out of the 500 patients? Five. It was five. And so just to be clear, so how we count those five is we have a very low threshold. And especially when we were starting out, you know, if they were if there's any apprehension, if they were blurry, if they had pressure, if they felt pressure, we said, come on in. And then, you know, there's those five patients. So 1% had uh, pressures over. Th- gotcha. And, you know, I know, Dr. Schober, you're very big on scripting and everything. And I know, Walt, you said you have this kind of list of, of things that are asked. And, and right now, if I r- believe you said the, the one-day visits are done by an optometrist over the phone. Have you guys thought about having a non-physician provider do those telehealth visits? That's a, that's a great question, and we did think about that, but we before we did anything, we wanted to make sure we reached out to our malpractice carrier. So they, they felt it was important not to change the protocol. So our protocol was for a doctor to see the one-day post-op. So we felt that the doctor on the telephone knows how to talk to the patient better than a non-physician there. And so since we had optometrists seeing the one-day post-ops, we wanted an optometrist to talk to the patient who had had years of experience. And they just, they know how to talk to the patient. They know the right questions. They know how to bring the patients in or to give the patients some some peace of mind rather than a non-physician just giving some rote answers. So we've been very successful with an experienced optometrist. And to be clear, yes, thanks for bringing that up, Steve, because we did ask about that. Could someone else do it? And they wanted a provider doing that. And so uh, within our practice, we found a a semi-retired OD that we work very closely with. We co-manage lots of patients over the years. And so he helps uh, us do that three or four days a week. And then the rest of the time, we rotate the optometrist, whether it's our residents or an optometrist within the practice if needed. So tell us some, some about the logistics of doing this and the documentation for the encounter. And also maybe, you know, what if the patient doesn't answer the phone? So we have, Walt has designed a template, uh, just like in the clinic, but the, uh, the doctor who's making the telephone calls, there's a scheduled appointment every 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, they've got EMR, whether it's at home or here at the, uh, at, at the office. And the patient is expecting to get a phone call at this particular time on schedule. So they're ready for it. There are going to be times when the patient doesn't answer, answer the phone or doesn't understand. And we call them back a couple of times. And if they do not answer the phone, uh, we give a message to the surgery schedulers or somebody in the call center. And they work all day to get the patient to say, okay, you didn't answer the phone. You're in the penalty box. You got to come in and see Dr. Whitley, okay? And we make them come in that day or the next day. Right. And and you know how many how many patients don't show up for their one day follow up visit in person too? I mean, are there a no show? Right. So you have to deal with that on on both sides. That is all an EMR, and so we have a drop down menu within uh, NextGen for uh, for telehealth, and so we just you know start the timer. We say, hey, this is when we started the conversation asking all the questions and then we do the assessment and plan and just talk about you know whatever that conversation was it's pretty routine because these were the routine cataract surgery patients and then afterwards let's say the patient didn't answer then the optometrist who's doing the call they would email our team and say hey we made uh, three attempts i did this a couple weeks ago and i just told the team i made three attempts last time i the, the, the three messages that say hey uh, the last one if you have any issues make sure you call the practice but one of our team will be following up the next day. And so we let the patient know, hey, we tried three times, and if you're not answering, make sure you reach out to us if you have any issues. 
Gotcha. And, and I know, well, you mentioned that you guys reached out to your malpractice carrier at the time to make sure this was kosher. How do you feel this falls in line with some of the AAO guidelines for cataract surgery, you know, that require you to have that, you know, immediate one-day, two-day post-op visit? They don't necessarily give you guidelines after that, but usually they do say that, uh, you know, they got to be seen within a day or two or so. You know, when it comes to the guidelines, we're thinking about traditional cataract surgery. This is pre-COVID. That's when all these guidelines were made. We had to adjust after, after COVID to make sure that we're taking care of our patients, but also taking care of our staff and taking care of everyone that's involved within the clinic. And so we made those adjustments. We did our due diligence. We did the, the pilot studies as well, but this is something we've been monitoring. So I did reach out to a couple of big practices. There's one in Louisiana, there's one in Alabama, large high volume cataract surgery practice. And they do very similar things that do not do the one day post-op. Everything is telehealth, so we're not the only practice out there. And so we're, we're talking about uh, coming together and putting some kind of uh, report and saying, and just sharing our experiences, because I think, and I strongly feel this is where we're going in the future. Yeah, standards of care can definitely change, right? And, and, and it says there has to be a post of it. It doesn't say whether it's in-person or telehealth. So, you know, I, I, don't, I think that this definitely can fall within those, those guidelines for sure. So here's an example. My wife just had surgery uh, uh, recently. And so the doctor came out and said, hey, the surgery went well. We'll see her in a week. Okay, mm-hmm. we're coming in in a week. But it's yeah, just, right. our standard has been different uh, traditionally within, within ophthalmology. Mm-hmm. I saw my orthopedic surgeon in a week. Got out of the operating room. I'll see you in a week. Call me if you have a problem. Well, that's that's pretty that's pretty routine. But if as long as we're comfortable, it's a very safe procedure. The patients love it. The doctors and the staff loves it. But very importantly, that we save 150 to 200 clinic visits every single week. That's almost 200 people who don't walk in the front door and check in with the front desk and have a technician uh, bring them back and then have a doctor spend five or 10 minutes. And even if you only spend four minutes as a doctor with the patient, as an average, if you're seeing my post-operative patients, you know, 30 or 40 patients, you just say two hours. Two hours, yeah. Two hours, two hours. And that's a four-minute it's a four minute visit. And, and let's, you know, I think it is worthwhile to remind everybody, you know, you're not paid for post office. That's all part of the global period. So this is gener- This is potentially going to give you or, or physicians more time to maybe have revenue, revenue generating exams in, in those slots. And it's also important in this time when a lot of us are understaffed as well and we might not have the staff to accommodate all of those visits because we can still be busy. So a lot of a lot of surgeons, you know, across our, our platform will, will have different regimens and such. How do you think that this would work with other regimens, such maybe as, as like dropless cataract surgery? I think the protocol could be exactly the same. If you're already having good results with dropless cataract surgery as far as postoperative inflammation for years and you know how they're doing, uh, I would recommend adding our bromonidine dorzolamide drops twice a day so it wouldn't be completely dropless in the Dimox, okay, and see them in a week. I, I think it would be exactly the same with that extra caveat, the, that extra drop and that extra pill. That would be my recommendation. And to go along with that, I mean, we've been doing one-day post-ops for how many years now? And we see the low rates of IOP spikes one-day post-ops. And so, you know, we're just taking the same thing. We're adding extra precaution, both topical as well as oral, to make sure we address that. 
But if that patient has any concerns, we bring them in. And so we're happy to see them, and one of the providers are, are, are going to see that patient. Okay, and just to clarify too, just from my understanding, so you see a patient has cataract surgery on one eye, they have a one-day telehealth visit, let's say they're just doing the one eye, and then you usually see them back, you said, in a week, right? Yes. At that visit, if they're asymptomatic, no flashes, no floaters, nothing like that, do they get dilated or do you substitute for an Optimap or something like that? No. So we're just going to do, we're going to check that into your chamber, make sure everything adds up like it's supposed to. And then what we'll do is we'll see the patient back in four to six weeks. If there are any of the issues, I mean, we are going to dilate them and, and, and take a take a look at the periphery, look at the retina. Uh, but it all just depends, case by case basis. Yeah, we do not routinely dilate the patient at one week. I mean, if they're seeing 2020 and they ref, we refract them uh, to prepare for the second eye, and uh, but if they've got a nice quiet eye and they've got 2020 uh, vision, we just we move forward. Well, this has been a really good session. Um, learned a lot. Do you guys have any other comments or anything that you would want the other listeners to, to know about? We might have missed. I, I think that uh, as ECP is growing as the largest ophthalmology and optometry practice in the country, we do more cataract surgery than any other group in the in the country. And as if we, as a whole, as a group of doctors, could convert most of our patients to one-day telehealth, it would save us hundreds of thousands of post-operative visits. Not 10,000, you know, for us, but several hundred thousand post-operative visits. You put other patients into those slots and it saves ECP millions of dollars. It, it increases our EBITDA millions of dollars. And it just makes good business sense for MDs to be in the operating room, one-day telehealth visits, all the post-operative visits to be done by uh, optometrists. And I think that's how we continue to be successful, have happy patients with good results. Yeah, to go along, going along with that, I mean, we didn't even go into ticket price and, you know, Steve has his ticket price as the optometrist. You know, my average is about $75 per patient. And so for the, for the opt- I'm not doing the telehealth. And, and so we have this other optometrist that does it. And he gets paid uh, $13, $14 per call. And so after a full day, he was at five, $600. But for me, if I'm in clinic, I might be doing uh, IPL, I might be doing the LipaFlow, several OCTs, visual fields. That ticket price is going to be a lot higher for that same half day, bringing in more revenue. And that's just, you know, that, that's for me, not doing the surgical evaluations and getting more uh, uh, more surgeries in, in the future. And so something that, uh, that, uh, that, that we have looked at and something that, you know, for, for our, our challenge is, is just consider and look at your look at your numbers and many of us see our one-day post-ops now and we're the biggest thing we're looking at once again is the ILP spikes so we see only a small percentage of ILP spikes in traditional post-operative care but if we're taking that next step where we're going to prescribe the drop we're going to prescribe the oral this is only going to help address that but remembering we have that low threshold to bring that patient in well, I tell you what, Dr. Whitley and Dr. Chopra, I'm so glad you guys agreed to come on the, the podcast and, uh, and talk to everybody about this. I think this is a really exciting topic and, and as you said, could really be impactful if uh, other practices across the network decide to take this up. So, you know, thanks again. We appreciate everybody's time. We have a playbook. There's, if for all ECP doctors, we have a one-day telehealth playbook. It tells you exactly what to do.
It's already been produced. It's printed. It's everyone's just here for the for just the asking. And so, if, if a doctor does want to reach out, who do they reach out to to get more information about that, Doctor Scoper? Uh, Doctor Whitley. Reach out, Whitley. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but the the leader, a lot of our leadership in ECP. I mean, all the practice administrators have have access to this. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. So all you have to do is ask your practice administrator, and if they don't have it, they can they can get it. So yeah. uh, it's it's easy to find. That's great. That's really good. Uh, thank you guys for all that great info. We appreciate it. And hopefully to see you on a Dr. Doc in the future sometime as well. Thank you, Albert and Ian. It's been our pleasure. Hey, thank you both. The opinions expressed by the physicians in this podcast are solely the personal opinions of the providers and do not represent iCare Partners policy.